Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Okay, guys, let's talk about intentionality. But first, let's pray. Father, I ask your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts on this topic. Please have your way tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to talk about being intentional in two areas of dating, the purpose and the process. We'll get into the purpose first. So why do we date? What is our goal in dating? Or do you even have a goal? And culture at large has really gotten confused about this. So as Christians, we really want to make sure that we understand the biblical perspective before we get into the process. So, there could be numerous things motivating an individual to date. Someone might date just for fun, or out of a desire to fulfill certain emotional longings. Like my husband said, maybe because of peer pressure. And to the majority of society, it seems harmless to casually date around. But not only is it the opposite of harmless, in the sense that it opens up a door that could possibly lead to heartbreak, immorality, or both, but also romantic relationships, intimate relationships, void of serious commitment, they dishonor the sacredness that God intended intimacy to have. And when I say intimacy, I'm not even talking about sex. Intimacy just speaks of closeness. And obviously, sexual involvement is included in that. That's one physical aspect. But there's an emotional aspect and a spiritual aspect as well. So when we get to know each other deeply and trust each other deeply, and emotional bond forms. And in an emotional sense, you can have an intimate relationship with a friend or your mom or pretty much anybody. But when it comes to dating relationships, there's usually an element of romance in that emotional bond, and that typically sparks or fuels the physical aspect or the sexual aspect of the relationship. But just know that when I refer to intimacy, I'm really just talking about that emotional connection that a romantic relationship entails. Sorry, I'm lost here. So, God created romantic intimacy, even on an emotional, just an emotional level, to go hand in hand with commitment. It's not part of his design for us to just casually give away that kind of affection. So dating someone really ought to be, oh, I didn't realize how small that was going to be. Dating someone really ought to be an intentional step toward marriage because God didn't intend for our hearts to be put on the line over and over and over again. And the consequences confirm this. Proverbs 4, is that hard for you guys to see? Okay. I can't see it. 
Jesus, the Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So guarding our hearts should be a top priority because everything we do flows from it. And romantic intimacy in a casual relationship is contrary to this verse and contrary to God's design. And when I say God's design, God's plan, God's model, I realize there is no Ten Commandments of dating passage in the Bible. There's no specific list of do's and don'ts for us to follow. But God's word contains so many principles, truths, commands that show us his heart and reveal the way he would want us to go about pursuing a relationship. This being one, I feel like this is falling off. Sorry, it's falling off. This being one. But God didn't just leave us hanging in this area, guys. His word is rich and full of things we can apply to our dating lives. Another, another one. Um, so God recognizes two types of relationships between men and women. Brother and sister, and husband and wife. And of, of course, there are other kinds of relationships, but we're talking about what's relevant to dating. So, 1 Timothy, let me put these back on this. Chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. And Romans 12.10, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. So if we're all children of God, with the same heavenly father, we're all spiritual siblings. So the person you view as a potential prospect for a dating relationship or the person that you view as your girlfriend or boyfriend if you're in a relationship is your sister or brother in the Lord. And that's the only way God views you until the very moment you enter the marriage covenant. So with that in mind, think of your biological siblings. And if you don't have any, just try to imagine. But guys, if a guy came along wanting to pursue your sister, what would you want his intentions to be? Probably not to just have some fun or enjoy some fling. And ladies, if someone came along wanting to pursue your brother just to use him maybe, to get certain things out of him, we wouldn't be okay with that. We love our brothers and sisters, so of course we want someone to have noble intentions and they're going to pursue them. And God wants the same thing. I mean, he loves each of us with a love we can't even fully fathom. So we can imagine how important it must be to him that we have noble intentions when pursuing one another. Okay. But some people, they keep the relationship casual because they want to make sure this person is right for them before switching gears and heading full throttle toward marriage. So they don't have marriage in mind right away because... They're not sure about the prospect. He or she's still just a maybe. And it makes perfect sense to want clarity about whether or not this person is someone you can spend the rest of your life with. The thing is, pursuing romantic intimacy in order to get clarity about whether or not this is someone you should marry is not a good way to go about it. And this brings us to the process. So, say your intentions are noble. 
You're not looking to just have some fun. You get into a relationship with the sincere intention of getting married, eventually. Assuming everything works out and you find out you're compatible and all that. But again, it doesn't help to dive right into intimacy, romantic intimacy anyway. Christ-centered dating doesn't treat the relationship as sort of a trial run in which you act like you're married in order to see how well it goes before you actually get married. Treating dating as practice for marriage is really reckless and also contrary to the charge in Proverbs that says, above all else, guard your heart. The wise thing to do is postpone the romance while you seek clarity about whether or not this person is someone you should marry. And clarity comes through, first of all, seeking the will of God, and secondly, practically speaking, camaraderie, companionship. Can we be good friends? Do we enjoy hanging out together? Would we want to hang out together for the next 50 years? And of course, the person's character matters. So yes, there's going to be some emotional intimacy involved as you're learning more about each other and you're developing a connection. But it doesn't have to be romantic yet. When we awaken the romantic aspect of the relationship before ever intending to get married, it's not because it's necessary. There's absolutely no need to find out if you're compatible in that way. If you're compatible as friends and you've grown to be physically attracted to each other, the romantic aspect of the relationship is going to work. There's no test run required. But maybe some of you fall into the category of already dating someone who you know you want to marry. Christians usually refer to this as courtship. And since you're courting, maybe you've decided that it's okay to let the romance begin. It's safe. Many times during this stage, we very quickly rush into deep levels of emotional and romantic intimacy because, again, it feels safe. We're going to get married. And sometimes, as Christians, we have the tendency to want to create this subcategory of a relationship that is sort of a semi-covenant. But God doesn't recognize semi-covenants. Remember, your brother and sister until your husband and wife. But what we can do is we can initiate a Christ-centered romance that honors the fact that we're still just brother and sister until we become husband and wife. Okay, so intimacy in its fullest form is definitely one of the main things we all want out of a relationship. And again, still just speaking about the emotional aspect. We just want to share our hearts and our lives with someone who will be committed to us. And we just want to be known, deeply known and loved for who we are. And there's nothing wrong with those, those desires. They're healthy desires. God made you to have those desires. And just to clarify, I'm, I'm not saying that you have to be completely detached when you're dating, expressing no emotion, showing no affection. But just know that if you try to fulfill your desires for complete intimacy outside of God's will for your life, 
on your own timetable, on your own terms, you will do yourself and the other person involved a disservice. So we're about, well, you could read it now if you wanted to, but we're about to read a verse in Song of Solomon. Just a little background in case you're unfamiliar. The book of Song of Solomon records a romance between Solomon and a Shulamite woman from both of their perspectives. It starts from her perspective, then shifts to his, then both of them at the same time. It's back and forth. It includes a third party in there sometimes. And it covers the whole course of the relationship, from the courtship to the wedding and beyond. And in this verse, the Shulamite woman is addressing some other young ladies, probably her friends. It's chapter 3, verse 5, and it says, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. So she's saying, don't be hasty. Don't stir up those romantic feelings too soon. And the reason we're not to awaken love prematurely is because there's a tension, an emotional tension that exists in courtship that we were not made to experience for too long. It's a tension between having very intense romantic feelings for someone, but not yet having any right, no claim to that person's body, and no right to fully express those feelings yet. In Song of Solomon, if you look at the courtship, Solomon and the Shulamite woman, they're in the courtship, they're expressing their love and desires for one another. But their expressions are much more refined and subtle compared to being very direct and explicit once the courtship is over. So again, it's not that there's just no expression of love before the wedding, but there is a level of restraint. So yes, God made full-blown romantic intimacy to be a treasure experienced within the boundaries of marriage because he knows it's just not safe outside of a lifelong covenant. Yeah, once you awaken love and ignite the flame of romance, the stakes get really high. Fragile hearts are on the line. Your purity is on the line. And the deeper you get into intimacy with another person, the deeper the pain will be if you do end up being left or betrayed. So, now that we've talked a little bit about being intentional, intending to marry, holding off on the romance, let's talk a little bit about making sure to not be intentional. Uh, I don't think it's really possible to be too intentional when it comes to the purpose of dating because you either have marriage in mind or you don't, but when it comes to the process, it's, it's possible to be too intentional and then it just gets weird. And I'll give you an example. When I was a preteen or young teenager, um, I was given some advice to write a list of everything I wanted in my future spouse. I don't remember where that advice came from exactly. I think it was a friend not too much older than I was. But the practice was actually 
pretty popular among evangelicals at the time. And it's still not unheard of today. Some of you might have lists. And there's nothing wrong with that, unless you're going about it the way I did. So I was encouraged to pray, ask God, give me the desires of my heart. So I did. I believed he would. And I was encouraged to be very specific about what I wanted in my future husband. And for me, specific meant somewhere between two to 300 items on my list. I know. Um, so yeah, I wrote down all that I desired and I was content to wait until the one man came along who fulfilled all 200 and something of those desires. So fast forward some years later when Van makes it clear that he has feelings for me and I'm like, no, sorry, you don't meet all the requirements on my list. I didn't say it like that, but that, that was the reason I was rejecting him. Um, the thing is though, I had feelings for Van too. We had become really good friends. I also admired his heart and his love for God. At this point, I was obviously attracted to him since I had feelings for him. But my list, I just didn't want to budge on this thing. So, yeah, it can get weird. That's really weird. Um, thankfully, though, Van was persistent. And I did eventually let go of that list. But as you can see from my example, it is possible to be overly intentional, whether you're so absorbed in scrutiny that you put every potential prospect under a microscope, or you're just so wrapped up in your own plan. I mean, you might not have a list, but maybe you have a very specific timetable. Like, I'm gonna graduate from college at 22 and then go to graduate school and then get a good paying job and then work for a year and then after that, I'm gonna get married at the perfect age of 27. But a great godly person could be in your life when you're 24. There could be green lights flashing down from heaven and you're just digging your heels into the ground like, no, 27. And if, if it's your plan to go to school, get a job, accomplish some things before you get married, I'm not knocking that. But you just don't want to be so committed to your plan that you're not willing to submit to God's will as he reveals it. That was my issue. I had written the list, and I expected God to honor it. And in doing so, I dishonored him by trying to be the one in control. And really, it came down to a lack of trust. And later, I would realize that much of what I had included on my list was motivated by my own insecurities. For instance, one of the things was I wanted to marry a man. Bless my husband's heart. He's not in here. It would tickle him to hear this. He already knows this, but it would tickle him to hear it again. But I wanted to hear him marry a man who was not the life of the party slash class clown type. <laughs> yeah, if you know Van, you can imagine when we were in college, he was very much the life of the party slash class clown type. And I thought he was fun, but I feared that if I married someone like that, there would be a possibility that 
because he always had so much attention on himself, by association, I might find myself getting a lot of attention too. And I didn't want to draw attention to myself because of my own insecurities. So I had to come to a point where I just surrendered that to God, all my fears, and my desires too. Glasses again. Well, we know this one well. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Proverbs 16, 9. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So we might have a plan, but God has one too. And he, he doesn't always let us in on what that is. He reveals it in his own time. So it's just important for our will to always be submitted to him so that we don't deviate from whatever his plan is. So in summary, just don't be overly intentional, attempting to play God by perfectly planning your future or controlling every part of the process. Just sub submit your plans to the good and perfect will of your Heavenly Father, trusting that he is the one most qualified to be in control. Amen?